Hello, my name is Tristan Gooley and welcome to The Pursuit of Outdoor Clues, the podcast that invites you to join me in my pursuit of outdoor clues. In each episode, I venture outdoors in search of a new clue and along the way, we get to know some of my favourites better too. For this episode, I've not travelled far, uh, only a few hundred metres into my local woods uh, in the South Downs in Sussex and I'm very excited about trying out a clue that is new to me. Most of the clues that I'm going to be pursuing in this series will uh, be related to natural navigation but that covers in my mind almost all of the outdoors uh, as you'll see my my perspective is that everything is a clue and everything is connected so anything we see outdoors is part of our broader map i'm looking around me at, at beech trees and they they are giving me a sense of the dry chalky ground that i knew i was on already of course but in this episode we're going to step outside of pure navigation and look at signs that animals have left. And to do that, I don't think I'm going to have to travel very far. And in truth, these are the clues that I get very excited about. The ones that can be found near our homes, wherever we live, and that have been under our noses all of our lives. The, the best clues to me are the ones that tell us something quickly uh, without us having to agonise over them, uh, but that are plentiful, that, that we can find all over the world. Uh, these, these universal signs are the ones that add a little something to every journey outdoors, whether we're spending quarter of an hour uh, in a local park or spending days or or even months in the wild uh, there are certain signs that once we know them they just the way I like to think of it is they they become luminous they they've always been there but when we know to look for them they they rise up out of the background it's a really rather pleasant winter's day. Blue skies, some high clouds that I can see moving from the northwest towards the southeast. I can hear some forestry work going on in the distance. I actually know what's going on. It's rather sad. There's a massive clearance of ash trees happening at the moment because of the ash dieback. The landowners, particularly the public landowners who seem to be most nervous about this, are paying contractors to come in and just clear thousands of ash trees around here. So for the past couple of months it's been easy to pick up the sound of forestry work going on uh, but actually at this 
time of year in this sort of weather, those sounds become more distinct when we have this layer of cold, fairly still air near the ground. Those sorts of sounds travel a lot further. And what I tend to find is as I go up and down over the hills, I can hear different, different bits of work going on in, in different directions. I'm just making my way through the, the beech wood. It's a very nice time of year to, to be walking through a beech wood. I think we all assume that the outdoors is more enjoyable in the summer, but there's something about a, a beech wood which is, which is nicer in winter. It's so much lighter. The, uh, the light, low sun that it is today and it's being scattered by some of the clouds, but uh, it is making its way deep into this woodland, whereas in the summer, beech woods can be a bit oppressive. Their, their canopy, it's part of their strategy, I suppose. They, they blanket out all light, which makes the, the understory rather weak. Uh, it makes navigating a lot easier. Uh, it's a lot easier going through a beech wood than, than many other types of wood. Uh, not least coniferous ones, because of that shade, they, they make it very hard for anything else to get going. Uh, but that's actually going to make it a bit easier for our clue hunting today, because what I do need is a blanket of uh, leaves on the ground. Uh, and I am surrounded by brown, dead, almost exclusively beech leaves. There's a sprinkling of brambles, um, the odd fern here and there. And I'm just passing now a holly tree, a female with the, the red berries, uh, another lovelier sight in winter. And here I can see the first very clear evidence of animal activity. The, the beech leaves which are forming this fairly uniform brown carpet around me have been pulled to one side in quite large, well I say large, it's uh, probably about two feet by one foot, um, uh, but yes the, the forest floor has been cleared uh, I can see the mud and I can see some scratch marks uh, and this is this is what we expect from badgers. There's probably no other animal in this part of the world that would create that rather telltale clearing on that scale. And one of the things that is, um, it's, it's a big part of clue and sign reading, is, is when we focus looking in certain places for certain things, it can sometimes take a few seconds to find the first example, but then it's a bit quicker to find the second one and quicker still to find the third one. And then we quite quickly reach this point where, as I say, they start to leap out. And as I look around me now, I could probably count at least half a dozen of these scraping, these clearings made by badgers. But I could, if I was focusing in another area, I could, I'm sure, 
have walked past and not spotted any of them. What I've decided to do now is make my way to the edge of this bit of woodland and I'm actually going to break out of the woods and stand in a field for a few seconds. This is something I do during any natural navigation exercise but especially uh, when I'm taking a keen interest in animal behaviour because gauging exactly what the wind is doing from deep inside a wood is quite hard. I got an idea that it was um, that there's a northwest to southeast trend and I've picked that up over the rest of the morning as well but when you're in the woods what happens is the, the as the wind touches the ground there's friction and it gets bent in a general sense uh, wind backs when when uh, you're on the ground compared to the upper winds so if we see clouds moving over from the, the west to the east it's quite typical to feel the wind actually coming from the southwest because it's it's turned anti-clockwise uh, the way I sometimes uh, describe this is the the wind is falling down into the plug hole of a low pressure center so if we think of the wind circling anti-clockwise around a low pressure system if you slow them they fall into the center in the same way if you slowed a satellite that would fall in towards the earth the winds fall in and that is turning left because they're circling anti-clockwise towards the low pressure we don't need to worry too much about the detail but in practice what this means is uh, there are several different layers of winds different wind speeds and different wind directions and if we're interested in animal behavior then being tuned to that is, is a very good idea at the very least having an idea where the wind is coming from on any one day uh, is going to help but looking at these different levels uh, can can make certain mysteries a lot easier to solve I mean, on, on the simplest uh, level within woodland you get this effect um, which which I know just as the eddy which is that you might feel a steady breeze for a while and if you if you walk into wind you're more likely to find animals that are are detecting you through scent so a lot of prey animals and if you walk downwind you probably won't see that many because they've become aware of you long before you get anywhere near them but sometimes what we find is that the wind appears to come from lots of different directions over a very short period of time or distance and this is this is very very common in woodland uh, you expe you'll experience it in in towns anywhere where there are lots and lots of obstacles the wind gets whipped into um, like whirlpools and what that means is that your scent is getting scattered over a large area uh, and it's actually quite hard to to spot animals that way now today I'm not going to try and get very close to an animal we may we may uh, get lucky but with me um, banging on all the time that that's that's less likely but I've just I've just popped out here to, to tune into those winds um, and that's giving me that, that much better sense of the upper wind 
and how that is now curling round the hill I can see to the southeast of me. I can see the lower clouds moving in a slightly different direction. And just hanging off some of the lower branches down the edge of the woods here, I can see where it's quite a large, quite a large circular pattern, I think, because I'm still feeling the wind coming from the, the northwest here. But I can just see leaves being bent in the opposite direction, uh, perhaps a hundred, hundred metres from me. The sun has started to warm the land and I'm seeing a sign of that in a buzzard. The far edge of this open land where it goes back into the woodland, there is a buzzard circling above the trees. And that is what I would expect to see. Buzzards and other circling birds of prey will hitch a ride on the thermals, the warm rising air. So as the sun heats the land, the warm air rises and the birds hitch a ride on that. You'll never see um, birds circling at the start of the day if they're doing it to gain height. So if you see birds circling at the start of the day, they're focused on something on the ground. They're, they're hunting. Uh, as the day goes on, the land warms, there are more thermals. So we, we get climbing behaviour as the day goes on. Uh, but if you see circling at the start of the day, they're probably focused on something that may be about to have a slightly worse day below them. I've come back into the edge of the, the woods now and I'm on a forestry track and there's a, a nice big puddle here. Uh, I can't resist stopping at these puddles. Um, the, the puddles create uh, an area of softer, wetter mud all around them and these can be just such wonderful areas for, for getting an idea of, of the animal activity uh, that's, that's going on in the area. Particularly in summer, we're in winter now, uh, so there is a lot of water about. The animals are not having to travel far. But in summer, uh, particularly in dry landscapes like the, the chalky one I'm in at the moment, you can walk easily walk for, for 10 minutes and, and see no standing water at all occasionally for an hour. But uh, um, and what happens then is the, the animals focus on the few bits of standing water they can find. They become real magnets and uh, you get these spikes of activity. Uh, and if you look in the, in the soft mud around puddles at any time of year, uh, it, it's like a fast survey of what's going on. And here we're in a, in a woodland that is used by people as well as animals. Uh, the first thing that stands out are a couple of bike tracks. Uh, the sort of very distinctive tyre marks of, of mountain bikes there. Next to them, uh, there are plenty of human, human tracks, uh, walking footprints, but uh, the next most likely, uh, lots and lots of, of dog tracks. And what we sometimes find is that we can spot where the dogs have stopped for a drink. If the... Uh, if the tracks move uh, in, in a parallel line to the, the path, um, 
you just you just scan along them and sometimes you just notice this 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 turn where the and there'll be a slight change in the impression uh, where the dog has stopped for a drink much more distinct in, in summer but I'm seeing seeing a small dog here the big two big dogs have gone straight past and something fairly small has stopped for a drink just by my my feet oh and one slightly larger one as well it's paw print right at the edge of the puddle there and what I'm most excited by is actually there's sign of badger activity uh, there, there's there are actually signs in the undergrowth either side of the track we can see badger runs uh, and this is very common at the edge of woods we see a lot more animal activity at the edges than we do in the heart uh, so this is this is prime um, badger country really they've got access to the edge of the woods but they've got plenty of cover thick brambles here which again is very common at the edge of the woods um, and and I can see the the bumps of their their set just behind the, the first line of defense just behind the the brambles um, some mixed clematis there a field maple and uh, a few others but there are just a couple of very distinct um, uh, badger tracks there are lots of animals which it takes a while to uh, become practiced at, at, at telling exactly what you're looking at it takes it takes a little bit of time to tell the difference between dogs and foxes uh, and we find that with lots of animals that that share uh, a genetic ancestry but badgers have very very distinctive five-toed um, uh, sign in the ground and it's wonderful to see them there light aircraft has just gone overhead enjoying the blue skies as I look up past it I can see a contrail the, the thin line of cloud left by high jet aircraft and what's very noticeable is that the contrail is very short and it's disappearing quickly now these contrails will only form if the conditions are right the aircraft needs to be at the altitude for the the temperature uh, in particular to to allow the the clouds to form so we don't get contrails down close to the ground we only get them high up where it's cold enough but the the key variable is actually the moisture in the air you'll have noticed sometimes you get dozens of these lines in the sky uh, and that's a sign of moisture high up and and moisture high up is is a is a sign that the weather may be getting worse so it's one of the early early signs amongst a family of signs that can tell us that bad weather's on the way but what i'm seeing up there is a very short contrail uh, and it's it's dissolving it's disappearing very quickly which is 
a good sign, a sign the air is pretty dry, so this, this good weather should hold. More water, more puddles, more signs. Very big dogs gone past and horses. One of the things we can do with, with all these prints in the ground is start to build a story. Uh, and often the story is very, very simple. We've got um, horseshoe prints around me and I can tell that the horses that were walking east went by more recently than the horses that were, were heading west. The sign, sometimes it's hard to describe in, in perfect detail, but it's, it's just a fresher print. The, the, the horseshoe marks heading west, they're aged. Um, there are one or two little bits in the in the horseshoe shape itself and it takes time for these little bits of leaf uh, to fall in there where the, whereas the, the horse is heading east they're, they're, they're crisp um, fresh looking there's absolutely nothing in there um, both horses it looks to me have gone through since the last rain and we had heavy rain last night so they're they're both fairly fresh tracks but we're only talking a difference of a a few hours. You hear the wind picking up a bit in the trees above me and now jostling some holly and ivy. Just venturing deeper into the woods because what I want to find is to have some fun with this clue I actually I don't want such a feast of riches where I'm where I've been over the last half an hour or so there are so many animals um, dogs and deer and signs everywhere to be honest and what I'm looking for is a slightly less well-trodden patch of land. So what I'm doing is I'm going to go deeper into the woods and walk up a hill and as we go up a hill we we shed a lot of the human activity. Uh, people love the outdoors but there's a slight reduction in interest as the crowd gets higher. just paused by a very clear sign that horses have been through. There's horse dung on the path and the only reason a couple of pigeons not happy about me investigating this area but the only reason I've actually paused by this this dung it's not it's not something that uh, would normally stop me in my tracks is that this is this is fairly well aged. I can't I can't date it exactly by looking at it. Uh, there probably are expert trackers in the world who could look at that and give us uh, a precise time window. Uh, but it's actually a navigation clue that I've spotted in it. With, with dung that has aged, dung starts its life fairly moist. 
unless the poor animal's got very serious issues um, and is grumpy and constipated, uh, the, the dung will be moist. Uh, but with time, uh, uh, rain allowing, the, the dung dries, but it doesn't, it doesn't dry at a uniform rate. If it's exposed to the elements, we start to notice it drier on some sides and wetter on others. And the simplest rule is that if, if the southern sun can get to it, it will dry faster on the south side, which is a, a fun, fun little dung compass. Not one I use as my primary, not one I use as my primary means of navigation that often, uh, but it does have its place. I've been walking uphill for a little while now and fewer signs of people, no bicycle tracks anymore, still some sign of horses but there's still there's a blackbird fleeing away there, um, but there are signs of the animal that I'm keenest to see, which is the deer. And what I'm actually seeing is the brambles to the side of the path have all been nibbled down to about knee height. And that's a sign of a lot of deer activity. I know because I know this part of the world very well that the deer numbers are not just healthy, but uh, rude health on the on the high side of healthy for the broader ecosystem. Once deer numbers go above a certain level, they start doing damage. Species struggle to um, stay. They they basically get grazed into extinction. So we end up with the bio, biodiversity reducing. Many people, when they hear about deer being shot, are not very comfortable with the idea. But the truth is, in nature, if we remove the big predators, we have a choice. We either replace them with, in this case, rifle bullets, or we accept that the prey that was being eaten before we remove the predators will become too dominant. And that will tip the ecosystem another way. So the deer numbers are managed, but it is something of a losing uh, a battle that is is being slowly lost at the moment it feels to me and those i speak to like we're it's a bit of an uphill struggle keeping the deer numbers down uh, and we see that in the in the undergrowth and sadly we see it in reduced numbers of wildflowers and a lot of other um, species as the as the base of the the pyramid is literally nibbled away right i've come off the path heading into the beechwood
and this is just the sort of terrain that I want. Once you get even a couple of hundred metres off the path and a few hundred metres above sea level, um, the activity of all kinds drops away. going to pause now and take in my surroundings which is all part of natural navigation. It sounds a very very vague expression, taking your surroundings. What does that actually mean? Well, I've been keeping a close eye on the the behaviour of the clouds and the sky um, and of course the sun and that's what I so often say is start at the top and work down. If you walk for an hour with the sun warming your face but don't give it the time of day and, and use it to get a sense of which way is which then you'll, you'll regret that uh, when the clouds come over. But then we work down and the shape of the land is such a big part as well so I I, um, I do this um, little technique where I, I look at the shape of the land and then I close my eyes and, and sketch it in my mind with my eyes shut. So I'm just going to do that now. It's an exercise that I'll... There are various levels to it and we're not going to go through them all now, but... Uh, it's, it's, it's an exercise that can take half an hour, an hour, uh, and is, is very rewarding because uh, details, and every, every detail is a clue or a sign of some sort, start to emerge. And when we have our eyes shut, uh, our brain shifts attention to the, the sounds and the feel of, of the wind, of course. So there's still, the hill continues up for a little way yet. I could probably walk uphill for another quarter of an hour from this spot uh, and it rolls down towards a coniferous woodland uh, perhaps 300 meters below me uh, and I'm surrounded by by beech trees and as I look at the woodland floor I can see still evidence of badger activity. I tuned into that earlier so it, it leaps out now. Uh, there are some things that even if you're not looking for them they'll just they'll just come knocking and and tell you that they're there. Uh, but what I am looking for is a sign I've been excited about playing with for a, a couple of days because I learnt it from a, uh, a good friend, uh, a fellow outdoorsman called John Ryder who teaches uh, bushcraft but is especially uh, focused on tracking and animal behaviour. And we like to go for, for walks together and we're, 
we just get excited together we just sort of swap observations and it's so much fun because we're we're never short of things we're seeing and and they're almost all signs but so often even on the same patch we're, we're getting excited about different things and and we get to share them and the sign i'm i'm looking for at the moment uh came from our, our recent walk i'd been looking at trees uh it was a very very good day for testing natural navigation because it was uh the conditions were what's known as anti-cyclonic gloom which uh there's a high pressure system and in winter you just get this 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 layer of fairly low cloud that just sits over the landscape and the winds are very light and variable in direction so many of the natural navigation clues the sun and the wind uh, being key ones are taken away from you and you're forced to look for some of the the, the subtler clues out there which I absolutely love uh, it makes it makes it much much tougher if you're trying to do something precise uh, you know if you're trying to find an exact spot five kilometers away under those conditions it's doable but to be accurate you you move fairly slowly and you have to take every clue you can find and that's that's what I was doing I was actually trying to pick up clues uh, the moment I'm thinking of I was looking at the shape of the tops of some trees and I'd noticed that the tops of the trees were showing um, uh, were giving me direction in the shapes of the branches but the lower branches weren't and the reason was the shape of the land there was steep there was a steep hill to the south of us which was actually must have on a sunny day been casting a shadow on a large part of the tree so the bottom half of the tree was not was not very helpful for um, natural navigation clues but nearer the top a lot of the branches were tending to horizontal which is the the southerly indicator in in shape of of branches but as i was doing that and getting excited about noticing that difference uh john's eyes for obvious reasons were a lot lower and he was pointing something out to me that is such a wonderful sign and it is so simple uh that uh i'm i'm you know i just i just love it when there's, there's something that uh, we can now see everywhere that I, I, I just was not aware of until John pointed it out. Uh, and it is this. When a fairly heavy animal, like a deer, has narrow feet, we've got quite a lot of pressure going on the ground. Now, when we think of tracking, it's the spoilt conditions are the ones I was talking about earlier, a patch of wet, soft mud. Nothing can go over that. Uh, not even the, the smallest bird can land on that without telling us uh, what it's been up to. Uh, and I think we're all familiar with that idea. But when we get this, this leaf litter of thousands, millions of leaves spread evenly across the, the forest floor, we don't see the mud at all. And it's tempting to think that the signs are hidden. But the truth is that the, the signs are just different. And what John showed me beneath the tree that I've been getting a bit excitable about was the way that this pressure from narrow heavy feet changes the leaves and they start pointing upwards and now that I've I've been talking for a few minutes now and as I've been doing that I've been looking around me and they have just started to pop out what I'm looking at is hundreds of leaves within you know a few a few meters of me that are flat or or very nearly flat and that's what we'd expect when a 
when a leaf falls off a, a tree in autumn and falls down uh, and, and lays on the ground, it'd be very, very odd if it was anything except flat. I mean, put another way, pick a couple of leaves off the ground and, and try and stand them on their end. It's, it's not a natural way for a, a, a broad leaf to be. So, when we scan the ground and tune our eyes to look for leaves that are poking up, quite often more than one in one spot, if we then look in close, we start to notice a slight colour change as well. And this is a clear sign of a heavy narrow foot. And in this case, uh, almost certainly deer. And then all we need to do is, is follow these, these, these vertical, these little patches. And I, I'm talking about something that's, you know, no bigger than an apple, quite often a, a, a lot smaller. Maybe, maybe a plum is a better example. And then when we focus our gaze right in as I'm doing now, you can actually sometimes, as I am here, see the, the outline of the deer's hoof within the, within the leaf itself, sometimes spread over more than one leaf. And as it was, the badger's sort of clearing of, of leaves is very brash. You can sometimes see that from 100 metres away or more. Uh, these we, we have to get a little bit closer but then once you you zoom in <laughs> focus in on them uh, they're suddenly very clear and you can lift your gaze and watch them moving off um, into the distance and that you know that's something I don't think I'll ever forget and I hope you don't either and, and have a, a lot of fun with it um, John Ryder teaches these sorts of things at his at his school woodcraft um, and it's, it's, you know, some of the best fun I can, I can ever have is, is spending time with these, these experts and we, we share our perspectives. I'm rolling around in the, the joy of natural navigation clues, but it's very healthy for me to be, uh, uh, to have things pointed out to me that, that we're only feet away from something I was excited about. And... As I walk now, my focus has shifted to these, these upturned leaves uh, and I can actually see uh, the trail of a deer stretching into the distance. And what I might do actually is follow it. Um, now John or another expert tracker might, might be able to look in here and tell us exactly when um, if not exactly, get a clearer idea from the impressions when the deer went through. Looks, looks to me very recent, but um, what I've actually done is, is followed it to a sign that I'm quite familiar with, that the trail goes straight to a log, a, a fallen tree. In this case, it's one that's clearly lost a, lost a battle with, with disease and has come down. And uh, the top of the log, uh, we see this um, quite common uh, layer of moss. The moss loves being, thrives in low down conditions and flat surfaces. So there's, there's, a, there's a decent covering of moss. But then where the trail hits, hits the log, there's a slight scuffing mark there and the moss is struggling a little bit. Uh, so my reading of this situation is that a deer has gone through here probably more than one because it's it's really quite clear in the in the leaf litter, uh, but that this is a this is an established trail, because 
even, even a herd of fallow going over this log are not going to create the long-term effect that I'm seeing here, where the, the moss starts and stops at the exact point the, the trail hits it. And the trail continues on the other side, and I'm going to follow that as it takes me down towards the coniferous woodland, which I will have a little and I will have a little explore of that before heading home. So next time you are in a woods with uh, leaf litter, ideally a, a carpet of leaves, beech woods are great for this, but it, the, the same technique will work in any wood or indeed any outdoor space where there's a, a carpet of leaves. Just look, uh, lower your gaze um, if you can, it, it helps things leap out sometimes. Just look for those leaves that are not flat that are poking up uh, and then have a peer in and you'll probably soon start to see trails that were once invisible start to shine out from the land all around you. So have fun with that and I look forward to seeing you for the next episode of The Pursuit of Outdoor Clues. <laughs>